Hello, Madison. Welcome to the Wisconsin Energy Broadcast, a show about clean tech, renewable energy, and the ways this rapidly growing industry is changing how we think about power. The Wisconsin Energy Broadcast is a project of the Perpetual Notion Machine, heard on WORT 89.9 FM Madison. Now, here's your host, Heather Allen and Nan Fay. Welcome to the Wisconsin Energy Broadcast. Nan and I are very excited to bring you some experts from the Oregon School District and HGA, or Sustainable Engineering Group, to talk to you about Oregon, Oregon going net zero energy. So um, why don't we let everyone here in the room introduce ourselves, and then if our person on the phone has made it, we'll have him introduce himself as well. Sure, I'll go first. Uh, my name's Alex Harris. I'm with uh, HGA, formerly SEG, uh, and we are uh, the net zero energy consultants on this project. So we basically help the design team make the correct decisions as they go through and design a net zero energy building. Hi, um, I'm Kathleen. Uh, I'm a senior at Oregon High School, and I am interested in studying architecture this fall in e- university. Excellent. Hi, I'm Andy Weiland. I'm the business manager for the school district and been working on the project since the referendum through, uh, through the design and hopefully completion soon. Excellent. Do you want to say hi, Nan? Hi, this is Nan. Uh, do we have Nathan on the line? Nathan might be on hold. Okay. Um, we, do ha- we do have one more person that we'll bring into the conversation. He's part of the architecture team, the design team. Um, but let's start off with a real basic question about why did the Oregon School District decide to build new schools? Sure, this is Andy. Um, basically, what we were looking at is we had just completed our 2014 referendum. And uh, as we got done with that referendum, we said, what's next? And we We're wondering what the population was going to be in Oregon School District over the next uh, 10, 15 years. And so we commissioned a study and basically found that um, the area in Fitchburg that goes to Oregon School District was going to be exploding very quickly as it follows the 14 corridor and realized that we had about uh, 2,000 more students that we are anticipating having uh, between now and 2030. And anticipating that, looking at our capacity of our current buildings, we said we need to um, come up with a study group and try to figure out what, how we're going to do that, how we're going to accommodate those that many students in the in the next uh, fifteen, which now is twelve years, eleven years. Excellent, excellent. Okay, um, can you tell us a little bit about what the November twenty eighteen referendum gave you the authority? the school district the authority to do? Sure, sure. So we uh, there are a couple different parts to it. Um, the main part is to build this new um, uh, K-6 elementary school, um, and we're actually building it in Fitchburg. Obviously, we needed to build by land for that. And then um, in the planning process, we identified another building that we'll need somewhere in the next decade. And so we are actually buying another building or another piece of property for that. And then there's some security improvements through the rest of the district's uh, buildings that we're doing. But the majority of that $44,900,000 is really for uh, building this new elementary school um, that um, we are designing as a zero energy building. Okay, great. So that must mean that the school district has a focus on sustainability. Kathleen, can you tell us how the school is focused, the school district is focused on sustainability? Uh, Sure. Um, so the district adopted a, um, the board um, adopted a, uh, basically a policy for environmental sustainability um, starting back 
I think it was 2016, 2018. Yep. And it basically outlines how they want to keep taking a step towards sustainability, which leads us into this project that they've been doing recently. Great. Another component of that is it's really kind of a twofold thing. One is our buildings, but also continuing with education and having the kids have experiences with the buildings, which kind of fits into this building because it's not only a zero energy building. It's it's also designed to be a tool for students to kind of learn about energy. So how did you decide that was the focus you wanted to, to do to do a net zero design? That's a great question. Um, the policy, is, as Kathleen had just said, was just approved in 2018, actually, um, so a little over a year ago. And so there was a huge focus on that, and the architectural team and I were talking about it. And um, it's it's kind of interesting. If you look outside my office window, there's a building next to us. It's actually a over 100-year-old school building. And I started thinking, well, the school buildings last forever. And if we're going to kind of start doing something to change um, change the, how we use energy and those types of things, we have to start with new buildings uh, because those our school buildings last forever. And, and if you know anything about the engineering challenges associated with uh, reducing the amount of energy a building uses, you really kind of have to do it. You, it's not exclusive, you, but it's really easier to do it right from the get-go. If you design it right from the beginning, um, it's going to go a lot easier. It's going to be more cost-effective than trying to retrofit something. So especially if you're not going to burn any um, carbon-based fuels or anything like that, you got to have geothermal. you got to do, do things so that you're not um, kind of starting yourself in a, in a hole right from the get-go. So I know a little bit about um, net zero energy designing for smaller buildings like residences. Um, Alex, can you tell us something about how you make a large building like a school be net zero energy? Sure, yeah. And um, there really aren't a lot of uh, new systems or technologies within this building. Um, It's really pulling on um, a lot of existing designs that have been tried and true and proven over multiple different iterations of the commercial design development and then bringing them all together in a way that hasn't been done, uh, at least in this region. And so, you know, geothermal has been in schools for, I think the first one in Wisconsin was probably 15 to 20 years ago. And PV has been part of um, schools or photovoltaics have been part of schools for probably about 10 years ago, but they became very cost effective. So um, combining these technologies together and then sort of scaling it up um, to the size where you can build a brand new building that's, you know, solar ready and has ready for all these technologies um, is really sort of the next step in sort of these uh, system design and, and evolution. Excellent, excellent. And I think we may have our person on the phone back on. Nathan, do we have you on the phone? Yes, I am here. Hi, everyone. Excellent. Great. Thank Welcome. you for joining us. So, Nathan, can you just give us your background? Um, how are you connected to the project? Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I am an uh, architect with Bray Architects. Uh, we've had a, a long history uh, designing buildings with the Oregon School District, uh, and we are the architects working on Oregon Elementary. Perfect. Um, so perhaps you can tell us, are there other examples of net zero schools? Uh, not in Wisconsin uh, specifically. Um, I think their net zero buildings are still pretty rare in Wisconsin. Uh, there are other school buildings, uh, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, um, higher education buildings uh, that are either net zero capable or um, uh, have been kind of confirmed to be net zero uh, in other states. 
Um, so a lot of, uh, uh, I think, examples on the East Coast and the West Coast, some in the South, some of that is related to um, uh, weather uh, and kind of regional uh, pieces there. Um, but I think we're going to see a lot more of that uh, across all uh, different areas of the United States into the future. That's exciting. Um, so are there any special financing requirements to do a net zero school? How do, how do you put a project like this together? It's not really a requirement, but there was an opportunity that we took advantage of, and it, it seemed to work out really, really well for us. Um, we actually sold the bonds, the $44 million um, in bonds a couple weeks ago, and we got an awesome rate. Um, our financial advisor came to us and said, I've never done this, but are these things called green bonds. And basically, green bonds are kind of a new financial instrument out there, and they're designed so that... Um, large companies or individual investors who want to have a sustainable focus with their investment earnings. They want to have a um, kind of a, uh, a, a social, um, I don't know, conscious with their, with their investing. Basically, um, look for these types of opportunities. And because they're looking for these opportunities, they're willing to maybe perhaps take a little bit less interest earnings than other bonds that are available which then saves us a little bit of money. And so uh, the folks that bought our bonds, there was a large institutional investor, we're told, but there were also a couple smaller investors that really were looking for these um, kind of uh, morally uh, different types of investments for their their portfolios. And so we got great interest rates. Um, there aren't, a, the green bonds are kind of a new thing, so there's not a lot of uh, rules associated with it. Uh, but we basically promised our investors that we would do some analysis to make sure that our building is a zero energy building associated. So in, in, in essence, and we haven't really talked about that much, but basically making sure that the building makes as much energy that it, as it uses over a different year. I mean, that's really the standard. It's very kind of simple in that regard. So we just need to have the PV create, the photovoltaics create enough energy um, to compensate for all the other energy uses in the building. So I have a question, um, maybe for Nathan and Kathleen, maybe you can both jump in on this. I'm really curious about how you can incorporate the energy savings um, and generation of the building itself into the curriculum and learning at the school so that students are aware that they're going to a really special school. And how are they going to learn something about how that works? Yeah, I can start there. I know Andy touched on uh, the, uh, having the building function as a learning tool. So we're trying to incorporate uh, as a design team, right, uh, not only uh, Bray Architects as um, the architects of record on the project, but all of our engineers and consultants, uh, Alex and his team, uh, the mechanical, plumbing, and electrical engineers uh, that we're working with as well. Um, so I think one piece of that is, um, and we're still in the design phase of exactly what these pieces will look like, um, but potentially a net zero dashboard or some type of display, right, uh, in a prominent area in the building where students, staff, visitors can interact with the building systems, understand how much energy was produ produced yesterday, how much energy do we use yesterday, um, related to water use potentially, related to electrical use, electrical production, um, how's the geothermal system functioning, are we in heating mode or cooling mode right now. Uh, so really trying to um, take some of those um, elements of the 
building systems that are sometimes hidden behind walls and display them in a way uh, that uh, can be viewed uh, both in the building and then potentially uh, posted on a, on a website or, or something of that nature as well. That sounds great. Kathleen, do you have anything to add to that? Um, what I've noticed um, is that when I was in seventh grade, so probably about probably six years ago, our middle school actually started to we put on solar panels uh, for part of the science rooms, and um, we would use those solar panels to power these huge batteries um, that would basically you char you p- plug it in and it would charge the students' phones. Um, so they started to really like incorporate that, and I know they added another one a couple years later after I was out of there. But students frequently used that battery, and they got to see how the solar um, solar panel produce this energy that powers their phones. That's really exciting. Actually, I, I think I remember An- Andy brought an example of that. It's it, you know, it's like a small pocketbook-sized battery mm-hmm. that can power you know your devices unconnected to anything else. That's really exciting. Absolutely. That that brings me to another question. Um, you know, will the school district be looking at ways to share this um, technology experience with members of the public who are not students? You know, on the weekends, might you do tours once in a while? Or, or have you been thinking about how to, I mean, if this is one of the first schools or the first school in Wisconsin to do this, it'll be really interesting and, and could be a, a model for other entities. Absolutely. Um, we actually we were just talking about that <clears throat> the other the other day. That um, another school district that's been doing these types of things is Lake Mills, just not too far down the road. And they had so many people seeing their unique building that they set up a certain day of the week. Otherwise, uh, you know, we we do have instruction going on, and we want to be that's kind of our priority, obviously. But we do want to share this, and we do feel like there's a um, again a, a, a reason to uh, have other people look at these and hopefully adopt this so that we can all move to a more sustainable future fast as possible that's great I think anytime that, that a community can set an example for its residents that's a really important thing to do and share your learning with them I have a question about um, other aspects of sustainability that you might be building into or designing space for even on the grounds around the school for instance um, community garden school garden is it possible to do gray water within the system those kinds of questions can anyone speak to that yeah, I can jump in a little bit there. Uh, all of those items were discussed uh, as part of the planning process for the building. Some of them we are going to incorporate uh, into the final design and construction. Some were deemed either to be um, uh, financially unachievable or just uh, didn't contribute to the net zero goals in the same way. Um, so we do currently have planned um, both a uh, garden space in one of our outdoor classrooms or courtyards that will be uh, part of the building. Uh, I know the district has had a lot of success with a hoop house or kind of a greenhouse um, uh, system at some of their other buildings. So we've planned a location for that uh, on the elementary school site. Um, We're not specifically using gray water inside the building for any of our plumbing fixtures, but we do have a rainwater irrigation cistern planned uh, that will help uh, irrigate any of the um, uh, plants in the outdoor garden. Um, and then we're also looking at using uh, as money, uh, and Andy, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think we committed to all native uh, 
landscaping throughout the the rest of the site as well. Absolutely, we have we have parents that are very interested in making sure that those uh, we follow those rules and we don't uh, um, use any of the species that obviously are invasive or um, are just told completely natural to our area. Um, for those who are not in the room with us, Nan just gave the big thumbs up because she's a food <laughs> policy expert. <laughs> she likes to see those native plantings. Um, so I have another um, question about the details of the system, and, and whoever feels comfortable, please feel free to chime in. But I'm wondering, how many panels are we talking about? How many solar panels uh, are we doing? Are you doing geothermal? Are there other energy systems? Are there batteries involved? And are you benefiting from net metering with your utility? That's a lot of questions, but I'll, I know, I'll do my I, I best. I saved to do them that. all, and I didn't tell you about um, them in advance. <laughs> so, so others feel free to chime in, but um, I'll start broadly. Um, as Andy alluded to, the you know the net zero energy equation is fairly simple. Um, on an annual basis, we want to produce as much energy as the school will use. Um, so, on the usage side, there's uh, five or six categories of of energy that we kind of lump these into bins. Um, there's the HVAC, the mechanical, that would be the geothermal system we're designing there. Um, there would be the lighting, so that would be uh, an LED lighting system with um, advanced daylighting controls and things like that. There would be the plug loads, that's everything from computers to data to uh, you know plugging your phone charger, anything that would uh, you know go through that miscellaneous power category. Uh, and then the kitchen, uh, which would include things like the dishwasher and, and the you know domestic and things like that. And uh, I think the last one there is domestic hot water. So that's the water in the bathrooms and things like that. There's not a huge amount of load uh, in an elementary school, but that's definitely a component. And then on the generation side, how we produce energy, and the most cost-effective in our climate has definitely been shown to be PV panels. Um, and so uh, basically we put on enough PV panels to make up for the usage of all the other systems in the building. And we've done our best to um, make all those systems as cost-effective and as low energy intensity as possible um, in order to reduce the amount of PV panels we need on the roof because every time you reduce your usage you can reduce how much you need to produce. Um, that being said, I think we're planning for basically blanketing the roof of the building with solar panels. Um, I think we'll have somewhere around 700 or so kW of uh, PV capacity on the roof. I'm not sure how many panels that translates to but I think it's over a thousand. Um, it's it's quite a few, and um, you know, building or designing the building from ground up has really has allowed us to optimize the roof for PV panel installation. So uh, where we run into issues with retrofits, it's you know other mechanical systems in the way, or the roof's tilted the wrong way, or something like that. We've been able to really um, you know gain some efficiencies by building this from the ground up. Um, I'm trying to think any other details that Nathan you might want to add or Randy. No, I don't think so specifically. I think you covered a lot of it, Alex. Really, uh, the, the big equation there is right reducing the amount of energy the building is using to then uh, reduce the need for the amount of energy that we're producing so we can make sure that that equation is equal on both sides. The one thing that I thought of, um, and Nathan, you guys really came up with it, was right from the get-go, the footprint of the building was oriented north or east-west to maximize kind of the area that could be uh, folk, that the sun could, f could shine on. So, and then the second story, the, um, there's a second story on the, basically the north part of the building. So again, no shadows and any of those types of things. You had to kind of right from the design point, right when you're building the footprint, have that oriented so that we could maximize the amount of sun that we could capture. 
Yeah, absolutely. That was a component very early in our schematic design, Andy. You hit that right on the head. Um, and I know I mentioned our garden courtyard, right, as one of three courtyards that we have in the building. Um, uh, and I think that's just another component, uh, being able to provide as much natural light as we can to the building. I know Alex talked about uh, the LED interior lighting uh, fixtures and then being tied into daylight sensors. So if we're getting sunlight into the building, we'll be able to reduce the need for artificial light then potentially. So this is this is Nan and, and Heather uh, mentioned that I I do food policy counts uh, here in Madison. So I'm re- very interested in whether or not you're designing your kitchen to actually be able to cook fresh food because a lot of schools, older schools, no longer have that ability. But it's a very strong push in the community to be able to grow things in a in a school garden, bring them in, cook them with the kids, and compost the waste. So have you thought about that? I'll jump in. Um, absolutely. Um, this kitchen, or this building will have a production kitchen. So rather than a just warming kitchen where you're bringing food off-site, it'll have the ability to have um, the, the produce that's created there um, harvested. And then we actually have a, a warming kitchen that's outside the regular kitchen where uh, product can be washed and, and maintained so that it can be then utilized for, for uh, the students to eat. Kids love that. We, we aren't able to necessarily do it on an everyday basis, but like once a week in all our elementary schools, we do have fresh products that we brought in do for uh, just a salad bar. And we don't even um, necessarily have the kids. Uh, um, it's not part of the, f- the free and reduced lunch program. It's just if anybody wants to go grab any of the greens or anything, they can. That's wonderful news. Thanks. I'm really happy to hear that. The other thing that, um, Heather, you mentioned before, and it's a it's a, a passion of mine, so I'll mention it. You mentioned batteries. Yeah. And uh, we are looking at having batteries as a part of this school. Um, one of the things that um, is great about Net Zero is it's carbon neutral. Unfortunately, I'm the business guy, so I'm always looking for the, the money angle of things. And the payback on these types of things isn't as good as we would like it to be. And um, as you understand... Um, sustainable energy, it's starting to take off because the money starts to make sense. And we want this to try, we want to try to figure out a way to make this make sense from a money perspective a little bit quicker than it would um, if we don't do uh, something creative like used batteries. Um, our buildings, um, two thirds of the energy or the cost of the buildings for operating them on an energy basis is based on demand charges. And uh, you don't see that necessarily when you're looking at your home bill. But on a commercial bill, you see that um, the, basically the 15 minutes of highest energy usage in at least the uh, Align Energy Territory um, determines two-thirds of the, so the cost of your bill. So, um, and that's on a monthly and a yearly basis. So the batteries allow us to basically utilize a stored energy to reduce those demand costs and make it pay for it itself a little bit faster than if we didn't have that capability. So that's a real interesting thing. It really makes renewables, I think, um, it makes the cost component of renewables um, as well as the sustainability of renewables a lot more of a, uh, an issue that can scale and become uh, adop- adapted a lot quicker than where we've been in the past. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a really interesting element, both the demand charges and how that affects your utility costs and um, 
and how batteries can can serve multiple purposes, be they financial or, you know, providing you want your school district to be able to operate, your school yep. to be able to operate yep. when other things are not operating, maybe as a, as a resource for the community. So um, um, that's another area that we're really interested in. Um, I know that we're getting close on time here, so I just want to ask um, maybe this question for Alex. Can you tell us about the timeline for getting this project built and, and what we can expect in next, next steps? Sure. Um, I, I probably would uh, also uh, call on Nathan to uh, help me out with the schedule here, but I believe we'll be um, wrapping up our design next summer and starting construction. Nathan, correct me if I'm wrong, next fall. Does that sound right? Yeah, it's actually even accelerated uh, earlier than that. Okay. We're actually so, looking... Yeah, we'll, we're finishing some of our... And Andy, yeah, feel free to jump in too, right? Finishing some of our site and structural drawings uh, this spring. Construction will start this spring, um, and then we'll uh, issue some additional drawings uh, later, probably right at the beginning of summer of 2019, uh, and then look to complete construction in August of 2020. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, in terms of uh, net zero energy verification, basically, to, you know, verify that everything is, is working as intended, we're really going to look for that first school year to basically figure out, you know, where do we come in in our estimates versus our actual and sort of proof of concept there. So it'll be an exciting period um, in that 2020 school year to kind of see all this data come in and verify all of our assumptions and our calculations to see, you know, how everything shakes out. Fantastic. So, um, Kathleen, what are you most excited about about with this project as a student? It is so cool to see all this. Um, seeing just how, like, the evolution of schools have come along. I mean, like, it's such a cool design that the school district has thought of and the architects and the engineers have done. And it it's just a really awesome project yeah something to be proud of your yeah. school districts very cool you're on, a, you're on the cutting edge um <laughs> so if another school wanted to pursue putting solar on their rooftop say they have an existing school or um they want to build new and they want to build a net zero energy school what advice could all of you give to people in the school about how to approach these projects what are the first steps I would say you need to get um, the, kind of the leadership, uh, the, 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 the folks on the school board. Um, th that was the big advantage that we had at Oregon School District is that they were leaders in this area. And so it made my job easy uh, because uh, they, they kind of put the policy together. I looked at the policy and said, this really opens up all kinds of advantage or possibilities for us. We started talking as a team and it went from there. So I think having that leadership, because there, there is a cost component to it, it will over time pay for itself, but it also becomes kind of that, 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 that why. Uh, why do we educate kids? It, it becomes a, a kind of a moral purpose for the education of kids that we can provide something that's just, um, that, that the younger generation are really, really interested in. Um, and, and they should be because it, it's about their future. Yeah, and I'll say for the design team's perspective, it's really been great to have the support and champion within the school district. You know, we work with a lot of different districts and customers on, on all sorts of different projects. And, you know, to have a customer drive that kind of decision is very unique. You know, we're happy to design net zero energy buildings all day long, but we don't get to do it unless, they're very, you know, all the stars align, so to speak. And, uh, and this project it certainly has... 
I'm guessing there's going to be some school envy in the uh, surrounding counties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm almost wondering if you're going to build, start building like a network of green school districts in the state of Wisconsin that can work together and help each other advance to the whatever whatever stage they're at in developing, you know, a clean energy future um, or a sustainable school to help each other move up the ladder. I'm sure something like that exists, even as I'm saying it out loud. Uh, the, the group of administrators around the Madison area, that we all know each other, we all talk to each other, um, we're always playing ideas off of each other. I think that this is a great place to start that, and then we'll watch it go throughout the rest of the state. Excellent. Thanks Excellent. for your leadership. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you all for braving the icy weather that we've been having and um, coming to the studio and calling in today. We really enjoyed the conversation. If you want to learn more about this project, um, where can they find more information? Um, we, we don't have a website up yet, but I think we will have one very soon. So OregonSD.net, I believe, is our website. Yep. Uh, please come to that site, and uh, we'll have some things up there hopefully pretty soon. Yeah, stay tuned. And if you have any ideas for the Wisconsin Energy Broadcast, email us at wisconsin.energy.broadcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and stay safe on the roads. Good night.